Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I am uh, charged today with a specific uh, focus, and I, I want to just kind of feel my way around in the spirit, if you will, to uh, find out how, how, to, um, how to move into the fullness of what God has for us to receive today. There is a, an urgency in my heart, not like a, a danger, but just a caution, a, a recognition. It's like um, if somebody, when I, on my car, I have this um, warning that will come up if I'm not paying close enough attention, and it'll, it'll, it has a little coffee sign, like I need more coffee or something. And it says, you know, keep both hands on the wheel. It's like, you know, you're, 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 you're sleepy and maybe you need to pull over or something. And, and it's like a caution for me, okay, it's the, the, the sensory mechanism in this car is recognizing that I'm not giving the right attention that I need to give to the road. And so it's, it's kind of like that feeling. It's kind of like that warning light that comes up that says, hey, as the people of God... We've got to give our attention more diligently to the truth of the Word of God, and we've got to recognize the plan of the enemy to divert our attention over to things that could sabotage our faith if we feed on it too long. And, and so I just want to re- review what the Lord said to us uh, concerning this year because he uses a phrase in this word. Now, I think it's interesting. The Lord spoke this to our pastor. I think this was in October and of 2021, and, and how closely it goes in hand with what the Lord gave Dr. Savell. Praise God. And so what the Lord spoke to us, and this is just the the part I want to zone in on is in that first paragraph. We have these available in the front as you come in if you want to grab one on your way out today. It says, uh, concerning 2022, dissatisfaction and disillusionment will prevail in the minds and lives of many. Not only those in the world, but for those in the body of Christ that have given their minds and their thoughts over to the information that the world and ungodly sources continue to pour out. What's going to happen? Many in the body, talking about the body of Christ, talking about people who are blood-washed, love God, saved, many of them will begin to lose hope and will even begin to speak like the world and say there's no hope Nothing will ever change, and those things which they speak will be established to them, and they will lose hope and give up. 
Now, do you remember the six days of faith that we had here? I believe it was July of last year. On that second night, the, the Holy Spirit was moving, and, and I was teaching that night, and I had been teaching about our words, and the Lord spoke through pastor that we needed to be very specific in what we say because the um, people, the children of Israel, they got what they said, and God spoke it in a way that said, um, the words that they said in my ears, as they spoke in my ears, that's what they got in their life. And it was, it was a caution and a challenge at the same time, because for me, I looked at that and said, oh, I know what I'm going to say in the ears of God. I'm out of debt and my needs are met. I'm going to say, uh, God, you always put me over. I'm gonna, I, was, I was challenged to bring a declaration of faith so that God, is, would, every time he hears me speak, he would say, ooh, every time she speaks, she's talking faith. Every time she's, she speaks, she's calling things that be not as though they were. But at the same time, it was also a, a caution that if we say things... We're authorizing things, and even though it's not what God wants for us, it would have to be permitted because we've said it, especially if we believe it and say it. And if you focus on the wrong thing long enough, you'll begin to put faith in it. You'll begin to be able to clearly see how that could come to pass in your life. You would be able to um, imagine it. And so... The Lord spoke to Dr. Savelle, Dr. Jerry Savelle, and he said concerning this year that in the midst of more and more chaos and disorder, God will open his hand and freely give to those who refuse to be shaken by it. We will receive provision in the midst of chaos. The number 20 represents expectancy so expect the hand of God to manifest on your behalf even in the midst of disorder and chaos. We're some, we are not supposed to give our attention to the disorder. We are not supposed to be consumed with the chaos and feed on the chaos and let it have mental real estate in our lives that cause us to have that unrest and that feeling of uh, uh, what's going to happen, what's going to happen now, what's going to happen to the price of this, and what's going to happen if they run out of this. and da, da. Stop the questions. Set the question down. Jesus said, take no thought by saying. And then he began to review questions that people were saying. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What what?" What are we going to drink? What, how are we going to make it? What, how, where are we going to get this from? What if this goes up? Da, 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 da. Stop those questions and look at the birds and look at the flowers and recognize I'm created in God's image. I'm washed in the blood of his son. I am under a covenant of better promises than the old covenant saints. And God is keeping me. He's keeping me. We need to have that so indelibly printed in our spirit that nothing that we see or hear moves us away from God's hand of protection, that nothing shakes us, 
that nothing moves us. The only way you can do that is to get on something that's unshakable. We are in an unshakable kingdom. Glory to God. We are in a, a supply of the kingdom of God. We are in a, a foundation that is not moved by what's happening. My money is not in this world. My money's in the kingdom because I'm a tither. I moved my money out of the world system, and, and I have money in IRAs. I have money in systems, but it's still under the blessing. It's still, my, my investments are under the blessing. Amen? Because I have faith in God's ability to prosper me. I have faith in God's ability to protect me, to keep me, to supply for me. Can you imagine what it was like for the people of the, of the land of Goshen to go to work every day and see what was happening in the lives of their taskmasters, their slave masters, and then be able to go home and see how God had kept them. Think about it. Think about it. Look with me at Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. He, he makes a statement in this chapter that you and I need to meditate on. We need to see ourselves in a similar yet even better and more secure situation. He said in Exodus 8.22, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there. Have y'all ever had a fly get in your house? And you know, you're chasing it around with a, a newspaper or fly swatter or whatever. I found a towel, a kitchen towel can pop that fly right off my, my boom. I could get it better with that kitchen towel, right? But, but those flies, I mean, how can you say the fly stops at this house? How, how, do, you, how do you direct where the flies go? Well, God can. God can direct where the flies are attacking and where they're off limits. He says, I will sever where my people dwell. I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that you may know I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. I will put a division between my people and your people. The word means redemption in the original language in the Hebrew. I will put a redemption between my people and your people. So we have a redemption. We've got to put faith in that redemption. We've got to believe in that redemption. We've got to have it in our heart and be bringing it out of our mouth. I'm redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why? Because it's voice activated for you to, even though Jesus' blood has been shed for whoever receives him, there still has to be a believing in the heart and a declaration of the mouth that Jesus is Lord, a believing in the heart that God raised him from the dead, declaring with the mouth that Jesus is Lord for it to be activated in that person's life. And that same principle is true for our keeping, 
for our supply, for our provision. My God has redeemed my life from destruction. Destruction can be taking place all around me. Destruction can be happening in other people's lives, and I don't want it to happen in other people's lives, but let me tell them about Jesus so they can have his keeping in their life like I have his keeping in my life. So this redemption, this division that God, this separation that God has made, him severing our lives from, from what's taking place around us, there is in our capacity the ability to activate it. He says in chapter 9, verse 4, The Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. There shall nothing die of all that is the people of God's. Things that belong to us. And the Lord appointed a set time saying tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow and all the cattle of Egypt died. But the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent and behold there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. Same chapter, verse 22, the Lord said unto Moses, stretch forth your hand toward heaven that there may be hail in the land of Egypt upon man, upon beast, upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and the fire ran along upon the ground and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous which such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Why? Because there was a redemption between them. There was a a separation there. There was a division. God had severed them from that destruction. Chapter 10, verse 21, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Now, this isn't just darkness like being out in the country. You know, if you're here in the city, you don't know what it's like to be dark until you go out in the country where there's no city lights and there's no street lights and it gets really dark. But this was even darker than being out in the country when there's no moon. It was so dark. It was, it was so dark that they could not see one another. They didn't even get up out of their place. They sat in their chair. They sat there for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Hallelujah. We have a better covenant than they had. We have a covenant based on better promises. But even under the old covenant, God was able to keep them and protect them and provide for them. 
Chapter 11, verse 3, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of his people. Moses said, uh, thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, and the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservants, that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as none was like it, nor shall be like it anymore. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel." A, di a difference, that word difference, the Lord does put a difference. It means a distinction is how the Amplified says it, a distinction. And Young Living uses the word separation. God will put a difference, a difference between us, a distinction, a separation. So we need to know and we need to expect that God can keep me. God can keep me. God can protect me and not only keep me. And this is not tying the knot at the end of the rope and hanging on. I'm not expecting to barely make it by the skin of my teeth. I'm expecting to prosper. I'm, because the blessing hasn't changed. God's plan requires the blessing to have its full operation. I'm expecting not just to barely make it, not just to come out uh, with, with, you know, uh, tore up from the floor up, but I'm expecting to come out with full provision and fullness of joy and fullness of peace. I'm expecting that God's going to cause this to be a, a supernatural uh, keeping and restoration in my life. That's not going to happen if I'm feeding on fear. It's not going to happen if I am allowing the thoughts that violate my peace to have a constant inroad into my life. I've got, I'm not telling us to stick our head in the sand and, and our fingers in our ears and to become clueless about what's going on. But I can know what's going on without having to listen to 30 minutes of it. I can know enough... To, to and I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to direct me when, it, when there are things that are just unnecessary details. Stop. Stop. Stop the unnecessary details. Because it becomes a dilution to your faith. It becomes something that, that waters down your faith. It fodders out. The faith so that you're, when, when you turn around to a situation to apply the faith that you've been working on, it becomes more difficult because you first have to cast down all these imaginations and you have to get yourself back over into a place of peace so that you can use your faith right. God doesn't want us to be wasting time having to swim through all of the chaos to get to an, an expression of our faith. So we're going to have to recognize I need to give specific attention to certain things. Why would I give more attention to all of the details of, of the chaos 
than I would to the promise of what's going to keep me through the chaos. Why don't we just turn... This is news. This is good news. This is good news right here. Just turn to the good news and say, let me find out what's taking place in my life today. Let, Let me tell you what's going to be in my finances today. Let me tell you what's going to be in my marriage today. Let me tell you what's going to happen to my children today. Let's let's go to the Word of God and let's look at that difference. Let's look at that distinction and let's feed on the victory that is ours so that when we encounter uh, something that is at the... When you walk up and try to put gas in your gas tank, you're not sitting there saying, thinking of all of the uh, ridiculous images you saw on Facebook making fun of the price of the gas at the gas pump. Like the car turned over because it fainted when it saw the gas or the people with their, their vehicles uh, put in, in, with uh, horses pulling it or whatever ridiculous. It's not funny. The people who, when we give voice to it, we're feeding it. If we feed on it, it's going to have a place in our life we don't want it to have. It's going to end up in our mouth. And we'll be saying some things we don't want to say in the ears of God. Ha, 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 ha. The price of gas. Ha, 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 ha. No? How about, let me talk about the blessing. Let me talk about how my hand of God can, can provide for me. Let me talk about the distinction that God makes over me. I'm blood ball. Let me talk about the blood and how the blood sets me apart. Let me talk about how Jesus Christ is the, the one who has given me victory. This is the victory that overcomes the gas prices. Everything in the world, right? Everything in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the price of gas. My God shall supply all my need. That's my victory. So, so instead of me giving emphasis to that and feeding on it and, and, and laughing about it, because it's really not laughing. It's, it's making light and it's trying to make it humorous, but it, then it gets down in my mind of how much it's going to cost me to fill my tank up. I took the app off my phone the Facebook app. I thought, you know what? I went to the gas station. I drove all the way here. It was down under a quarter of a tank. I went to fill up the gas tank and I almost, I always put premium in my car just because I was told it's better for my engine. The type of engine that I have, I always put premium. I almost reached for the middle and the Holy Spirit put my hand over. The Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't you lower your standard because of the price. Because I, in my mind, the reasoning in my mind, in my mind, I thought I can get the 89 octane for what I used to pay. And I almost reached for it. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, don't, if you start right there, you'll start compromising somewhere else with your faith. And, and I had to get my mouth in line and say, I'm going to fill it up. Because my God shall supply all my need. Amen. And then I realized how many of those ridiculous things I had seen just pop up on my feed, making fun of the price, and how it had almost had me making a choice. I almost made a choice based on money. 
Do you know how long God has been renewing my mind to not make my choice based on money? I'm making, you know what, because here's, here's the thing about it. If you choose the cheapest, you're probably going to have to buy three of them because that first cheap thing is going to fall apart and you're going to have to go back and buy another one. And then it's going to fall apart and you have to go buy another one. So you can put the cheap gas in to a, this kind of an engine, but then what's it going to do to my engine? It's going to cost me a lot more than it's actually costing me to put the good gas in. If I've got to have on my engine overhaul because of all the gunk. Do you see the mindset? The mindset is, is to make that decision because it looks like it's going to be a better decision in the moment, but in the long run, it's a damaging decision. Ask me how I know. I've bought cheap things before, and it lasted a year. And then I went ahead as I was learning to prosper, and I said, you know what? I'm going to buy the good one. I'm going to buy the good one. Not because I'm out for the name brand, but I'm going to buy something of quality. And do you know it has outlasted So I'm getting more for my money with the right mindset. It's really wisdom. But do you see how, how that focus, that shifting of the focus, looking at something I shouldn't have been looking at? Why? Because that's not me. I'm, I'm separated from that. I'm not going to build my faith in lack. I'm not going to build my faith in, in high prices. I'm going to build my faith in supply. So that was all our introduction. We're going to talk about being supply conscious today. Amen. We've got to be supply conscious people. And that's not going to just happen. That is not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to purpose to be supply conscious people. And you're going to have to go to the Word and specifically look for God's supply for your life. And you're going to have to give it your attention and feed on it until that's what you're full of. Hallelujah. Amen? You've got, to be, you've got to set a mark, set an objective, set a target. I want to be so full of the promises of God that I'm not moved by any circumstance. And if it is health then you need to be so full of the promises of God concerning your health that no symptom moves you off that promise, that, that weakness or, or, or uh, uh, feelings of, of uh, the symptoms in your body or reports about other people who have had that same disease or that same no you've got to become so full of the promise of God so feeding on it until that's all that you see that's the image a clear image the word of God will transmit an image into your spirit all words transmit images I got a puppy now I'm going to transmit an image she's a little black poodle now you can see in your mind's eye an, an, an imagination, a, a clear image. If I just said puppy, you might have been thinking 
Rottweiler. You might have been thinking Chihuahua. You might have been thinking, but when I gave you words that transmitted images, I gave you her color. I gave you her what type of a dog that she is, and now you have a different image. All words transmit images. God's words transmit the right image he wants you to have. And if we want to have specific direction for our life, we've got to let the Word of God transmit the right images so that we see things correctly, so that we can see the direction that He wants us to go, so that we can recognize His leading and His prompting. We've got to have the right image. But if we're allowing the wrong words to be transmitted into our heart, giving us an image of failure or giving us an image of struggle, Don't you even allow struggle to be a thought in your mind. I want you to see yourself having enough and more than enough. Enough for you to be a blessing to somebody who doesn't know how to use their faith. How about we just go ahead and say, Lord, let me be a blessing during this time. Let me have so, so uh, the operation of the word in my life that, that I'm able to, to give during this time and, and to operate in your generosity. Amen? So the expectation is something that we need to identify. What are we expecting What are we expecting? Well, we are going to determine what we expect. We we are going to set the expectation uh, dial on our spirit, and we're going to say, I will expect supply. I will expect it. How am I going to expect it? I'm going to have to determine what I'm feeding on, what I'm listening to, what I'm allowing in my eyes and in my ears so that it gets in my heart. And I'm going to have to choose specifically the fuel that is going to provide an expectation of supply. And anything that provides an expectation of lack or struggle, I am going to turn it off. I'm going to clamp it so that it has no input into my eyes or ears because I don't want that in my heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. And I want the amplified of Proverbs 4.18. It says, The path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous, that's us. How are we made righteous? By the blood. And we're not going to compromise that. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clearer. More and more, brighter and clearer. That's the emphasis. That when you you first see the sunrise, that first glimpse of the sunrise, it might be, it might be, it's it's that beautiful light coming up over the horizon, but it's not as bright as it's going to be. Throughout the day, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter until the noon, the noonday sun has got that full brightness. It says our path is supposed to be in a continual flow of light growing brighter. That's what's supposed to be happening. Every day, you're supposed to be able to see clearer than you saw yesterday. Expect that. Expect that. Expect that my path is going to become brighter 
and clearer, shining more and more until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day to be prepared. So my path is not going to become confusing. It's not going to become uh, uh, darker. It's not going to, tomorrow's not going to be uh, uh, a difficulty to understand what God wants me to do. No, every day I get up and more light is shining on my life. Why? Because every day I'm getting more word. Amen. Amen. So the path is, this is God's word. His desire is that our path be continually increasing in clarity and in light. The word expect, I'm going to give you three definitions. The word expect means to look forward to. To look forward to. Dread is the negative flow. It is a negative expectation. Dread looks forward in time and experiences the emotions and thoughts of the worst. Have you ever dreaded maybe a doctor's appointment or dreaded having a, a, a certain, certain meeting with your boss or dreaded, you know, whatever it is, tax season, you dread it, right? <laughs> Got to go through all these papers and find all these receipts. And I do, but what, what are, what's happening? In my mind, I'm going there. Before I'm there, I'm going there in my mind, and I am, I'm, I'm experiencing all the emotions of that moment, and, I'm exper- and they're negative. I'm experiencing all of the, the what-ifs and things that are even presumption. They're not even, haven't happened yet, but dreading them. That's expectation, and a lot of people are dreading. They're dreading things. They're dreading financially. They are dreading in, in their jobs, in their relationships, in situations. We don't want any dread. There should not be dread flowing in your life continually. Why? You have too much to thank God for. You know, with Liliana, Liliana is five, and with pastor being gone one weekend and me being gone a weekend, She's in that place of, I want, to, I want you to be home. And, and so she'll start to dread when we go on a trip. And I've had to stop that momentum. And I have to say, let's stop and be thankful. I said, you know what? If a fireman, a fireman may have to go on his work and there there's a lot of firemen that will go in and work for a a two-day or a three-day period where they stay in the fire hall they stay in the fire station they don't get to go home there are certain uh, uh hours that nurses keep where they go and they work the night shift they work 12 hours for four days they're not seeing their family they're asleep while the kids are at school so they're really not seeing their family for a whole week i said you know there are people who have jobs not just us, who have to spend two or so days away from their family. We're not going to dread what God's called us to do. We're not going to dread it and start getting crying. I'm right here. Why are you going to cry? I'm not even gone yet. Why are you dreading it? See, the whole the anticipation of that, that bad is something that the enemy would love to get flowing in her mind and get flowing so that there's a constant flow of sadness when there's too much to be thankful for. 
I said, there's kids over in the Ukraine right now that are sleeping in bomb shelters. I'm not going to let my daughter cry about something that hadn't even happened yet. I'm going to redirect her and say, listen, let's thank God for, for what we have. Let's, and so I'll go, and we have to go back, and we have to start counting our blessings. Let's count our blessings. Let's, let's think about what you have. Let's think about what a great uh, class you have, what a great teacher you have, what a great school you go to. Let's, let's think about how, uh, what, how God has blessed you with this room full of toys. Let's think, and she calls it Barbie land. Thank God for Barbie land. Why would you cry when you have all these Barbies, right? Why would you cry when I... And so I had to redirect that because I don't want that... A thought pattern, if you allow wrong thought patterns, they, 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 will, they will mark the way you think about other things. Amen. If you have a wrong thought pattern, the other things will... Let's say, for instance, somebody has a critical thought pattern. And they're, they're criticized. And I, I had a friend, actually, someone in, in our, uh, not our immediate family, but in our extended family, and they listened to talk radio all the time. I mean, that was their thing, talk radio. And uh, it was always negative. It was always bashing and criticizing. And, and I realized that this person looked at everybody in our family from a critical viewpoint. They criticized everything everybody did. Even people who were successful and doing great, they would find something to criticize about them because everything they fed on all day long was critical thoughts. And this was years ago. Pastor really doesn't watch any, a whole lot of sports anymore, but he used to like Sports Center. And before SportsCenter came on, there was another show that would lead up to it, and it was called Around the Horn. And, and I'm sitting there watching this, hearing it. You know, I'm in the other room, and Around the Horn is on, and they're in there, and they're like, that, that quarterback and, and that football player. And, and I stepped out, and I said, those men have not ran a football field in who knows how many years, but they're going to criticize all these other guys. I'm mean, like, if they, if they ever did play football, it's been a long time, right? But the whole thing was so critical because, and I was at that time, you know, it was something that I was recognizing. The, it was the whole premise of it was to criticize everything that everybody had done wrong. That thought pattern, though, getting into that person's life, they're going to look at everything through that critical filter, it becomes a, a, a it, 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 you know, like the pinball machine and the ball would drop down. And if it got into a groove, it's going to follow that groove. And you could try to, anybody remember pinball machine? I, I, I see some kids back there, they're like, pinball? Y'all don't know fun until you've had, you know, the Coca-Cola in a glass bottle and that pinball machine. And you got to try to, you're, you're hitting the pinball machine and they're trying to get, like, Yeah. Yeah, well, see, that if it gets in the groove, ah, why? Because that ball is going to fall down that groove, and it's going to follow the path. The wrong thought's going to build a groove in your mind so that every thought that comes into your mind falls in that path. That's why we guard against that sadness, Amen. guard against that dread. Why? Because I can't look at my whole life through that, that filter, 
I will miss the plan of God. I will miss the goodness of God. I will miss what God wants me to be able to accomplish if I am allowing my thoughts to go down into a, a carnal groove, a worldly groove, a, a, a pattern that is not a God thought pattern. God said, my ways are higher. They operate on a different pattern, a different frequency. And you've got to bring your thoughts up to operate by his. And this is not just about thoughts, but hear what I'm saying. We've got to recognize that those, those words are transmitting images to put me over into a place of fear or dread or sadness or, or gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. I need some help here. Whoa. Okay. If it weren't for bad luck. Right? We, how did they get to the... Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Google it. Google it. Yeah, you got to see it. You got to see it because they're all in their overalls and they got the hound dog on the porch and they're all singing the song. And then one of them over there with the hat on his head goes, whoa. Yeah, you got to Google it. You're welcome. But don't let it get in your heart and in your mouth. Watch it one time and then just delete it, right? At least you can have a, a reference to I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there right? That's what we don't want. That's not the song we want to be singing. Amen. Joy and peace and righteousness is mine. <laughs> that is a thought pattern. And praise God, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. We can pull it down. But we don't have to battle it if we'll stop it and take the thought captive and say that thought is not coming from God. The dread, the dread is a negative flow of expectation that we want to avoid. We want to prohibit dread. And expectation or anticipation looks forward in time and experiences the thoughts and the emotions of the answer that God has for us. You know, if a person is sitting there dreading not having enough money, it takes just as much effort to sit there and say, what if I just expect to walk in there and have more than enough money? Amen. You can just turn it. Why? Because it's your choice what you think about. Why don't I just go ahead and say, you know what? I believe God can make a way. I believe that God can come through for me. I believe I have given and it's given unto me good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So when I walk in there, I just believe I'm going to have enough to pay it off. What if I just pay my house off early? What if I just sit around and think about that? What if I think about, you know, paying that car off? What if I think about the answer instead of dreading the negative difficulty of the problem? What if I anticipate the breakthrough, anticipate the victory, anticipate the good? So the word expect means to look forward to. Another definition of the word expect means to regard as likely to happen. This should be for the faith builder. Regard 
as likely to happen. And so likely should not mean probably to us. Likely should mean it's bound to happen for me. Likely should mean let's get the bread ready because we're going into a land that flows with milk and honey. And we've got to have fresh bread if we're going, we've got milk and honey. Come on, we need some fresh bread, so just go ahead and get the sourdough going in the oven, right? Why? Because we're going into a land that flows with milk and honey. So regard it as likely to happen. It is the thing I am, I am preparing for. So if I'm, if I'm regarding it, that it, I consider that's going to happen anytime. I consider I have it and it's on the way. Then I'm going to be making preparation. When, when a couple is expecting a child, they begin to make preparation. They don't wait till the day the baby is born to go out and buy diapers and baby clothes and a baby bed and get the nursery ready. They have all of those things, even having not seen that baby, having not held that baby. They don't have the, 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 that baby ready for a bed, ready for a car seat, but they have a car seat. And they've, had, they've got the preparations. Why? Because this is, this is happening. <laughs> this is, so let's expect. They're expecting. It's not something that maybe, maybe not. No, that, that expectation is an anticipation. This is the third definition. To anticipate the occurrence or the coming of something. To anticipate the occurrence or the arrival of something. So the word anticipate, an- anticipate, think of the word participate. Participate means that we are going to, to, to have a part to play in something. Anticipate means to realize beforehand, to realize it, but to foretaste or foresee it. To anticipate means I go into what it's going to be like when I have that. And I think about what it's going to be like, how it's going to feel. I think about what, what's going to be different when I have that. I'm anticipating it. I am, I'm going into the future of that thing, and I am experiencing all of the details and log- logistics of it. Hallelujah. So we're, what are we anticipating? There's a lot of people anticipating in a negative way. They're anticipating not being able to, to do something because they're anticipating putting their gasoline on a charge card. They're anticipating not being able to, to do something. That negative going into the future and living in that is going to prepare their heart to receive it. That's how we prepare our heart to receive the right thing. Hallelujah. You've got to see yourself with it. You've got to believe you have it before you see it, before you feel it. That's how faith works, right? Fear works the same way. Faith is a magnet that brings to you the things that God has promised. It is a spiritual force that, that, that brings to you the things that, God, that you are believing for. But fear is a spiritual force. 
that brings to you the things you dread. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and fear is the substance of things you dread. Amen. So do you see how, the, how tricky how tricky the enemy works? Do you see how, how just being carnally minded gives him a playground in your life? Not being unsaved. I'm talking about saved people allowing their minds to think contrary to the promise and the enemy has an open door to attack because their mind. The mind is the battleground. How, it says guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? You stop what's coming in to your heart through the mind and the, the ears and the eyes. So we've got to guard our heart because our heart is where the force of faith is operating. Our heart is where the promise is going to be birthed in us and manifest through us. Glory to God. Philippians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. Philippians 4. What are we expecting? Are we expecting the supply? Even if you haven't been, you're going to leave here today and set your expectation dial purposefully with a determined purpose. I choose to expect the good. I choose to expect an overflow. I choose to expect the separation that God is keeping me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God shall supply all. God shall supply all. All your need, all your need, needs isn't plural, it's talking about a whatever falls into the category of need, God is in a divine order, God first, supply is second, need is last, God shall supply your need. So if you try to change the divine order, you're going to approach the problem incorrectly. If you change the order and you put the need first, well, I have a need. No, 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 no. Let's talk about you have a God. Let's talk about him first. You know, when Jehoshaphat found himself surrounded and the city of Judah surrounded in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and he came to God and he, he, he didn't start talking about how many there were against them. He didn't talk about all those armies out there that had, had come up against them. He started talking about God. And he started talking about how great God is and how God brought them into the land originally and how God gave them the victory over the previous inhabitants of the land. He started talking about God and God's victory and God's greatness and God's power. And then he, he said, and oh God, you gave us a promise. You promised us if we ever found ourselves in a negative situation that we could come to you, we could call on your name, and you would hear from heaven, and you would answer us. Amen. Hadn't even talked about the problem yet. They are surrounded on every side, 
three different armies, I believe it is, that came up against Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and he still hasn't talked about the innumerable army against them. He's talked about God, and he's talked about God's supply. Do you see the focus? If If the need becomes the focus, we're out of order. And God's like, what are you talking to me about that for? Why? Because in his mind, he has supplied all our need. In God's mind, supply. So he wants us to talk in line with what he's already said about us. Father, I thank you that you have already blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You've given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. If we'll talk about the supply, when we finally get around to the petition for the need that we have, our faith will be on full. But if we sit and talk about the need and the problem and the lack as if we're trying to twist God's arm or convince him, oh God, you've got to help me because if you don't help me, this need is so big. This, 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 this is so big. Not in his estimation. Not compared to him. So, so if you'll come in order, it prepares the way in order. I, I just want to compare us to Matthew 6 because I, I see this in Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he said in verse 25... Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. The Amplified says, take no anxious and worried thought. Stop being perpetually uneasy. I think people need to plaster that above their television. Don't be perpetually uneasy, anxious, or worried about my life. Amen? What you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment or clothing? And then he says, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to turn your focus to the birds. Behold the birds. What does he want you to see about the birds? They don't sow and they don't reap. And you have the authority of the seed. You have been given the privilege of sowing and reaping and gathering into barns. God even takes care of the birds who don't have that. How much more will he take care of his own children who have the ability to sow and reap at harvest in their life? Look at them. And then he goes back to the thoughts. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought... Anxious, worried thought can add one cubit or which of you by worrying about it can change it. Nobody's going to change anything by dreading. You're going to sabotage your faith if you're dreading, but you're not going to change the situation for better. But if a person instead, if we will build our faith, I can change it. I can't change it by dreading. I can't change it by worrying it, but I can change it with my believing. I can change the situation with faith. And then he again says, why do you take thought, worried, anxious thought, for clothing? 
consider something else. Look at the birds. Verse 28 says, look at the lilies, consider the lilies, how they grow, how they don't toil, and they don't have to spin, or they don't have to weave their own clothes. Consider the supply of God. Both of these are talking about the supply of God. Consider the birds and how God supplies for the birds. Consider the lilies and how God provides for the lilies. Because what were they doing? They were worrying about their supply. And he said, I don't want you to worry about your supply. Aren't you better than the birds? Then, then put your focus on the supply of God. Put your focus on the fact that you are God's own child. He has given you access, the keys to the kingdom. You have all of the kingdom ability available, all of the authority in Jesus' name. Lack has no right. Poverty has no right, has no legal access to our life. Why would I give it legal access by worrying? So he says, you've got to look at the supply. Look at the supply of the fowls of the air. Look at the supply of the lilies of the field. And then he says in verse 31, Therefore, or because of all of this, take no thought saying. That's how you own your thoughts. That's how you take possession of a thought with your words. If you say it, you are giving verbal authorization. So don't take the thought. Don't even change your focus Change your focus. Look at this supply over here. Look at the supply over here. But definitely don't let those wrong thoughts get in your mouth because then you're taking them into your possession. Take no thought saying, what are the questions? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? These are all doubt. These are all, all, all fear-based questions. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? we going to pay that off? What's going to happen if I don't get this bonus? What's going to happen if I don't get this on, on, on my tax refund? What if I don't, what, 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 what? Don't take those thoughts. How about we just go ahead and put the answer in our mouth? My God shall supply all. My God shall supply all. God is making a distinction in my life. He is making a separation in my life. God he is able to keep me. God is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He is my ever-present help in time of trouble. Amen? Those are, we can take those thoughts. We can own those thoughts. But you're going to have to take them with your mouth. You're going to have to take that thought by saying, I believe God will keep me. I believe I always have enough to fill my tank. I believe I'll always have supply for my refrigerator, for my pantry. I believe that we will abound to every good work, that we are enriched to all bountifulness, which causes through us a thanksgiving to God. I believe that we have all sufficiency in all things. I believe that God is 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, causing it to come back into my life. I believe the word is working. Amen. Amen? Now, I'm t- I just took that thought. I just owned that thought. I just brought it into my possession. So he says, don't take thoughts about supply. Don't take thoughts about lack. Take thoughts about supply. Don't take thoughts about where am I going to come from. Take thoughts about God is my provider. Verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So it is out of order for us to seek the things, to go after the, the things need. God knows we need them and he has provided them for us in the kingdom. Seek the kingdom and the things will automatically come to you. Seek the kingdom and the supply will be available because it's in the kingdom. It's not in the world system. It's in the kingdom of God. So I want to be doing things the kingdom way. I'm going to switch this microphone because I just keep popping. If you'll just go off. Praise God. Oh, glory. Now I can preach. (laughs) Hey, we're going to seek and operate the kingdom principles that God has made ours. Amen. Now, I want to uh, bring us to a a stopping point. I better just stop right here and, and, and give us our assignments. Okay. Because I want you to have uh, a, a specific targeted focus in your life. I don't want you to leave here today with, without knowing exactly what you can be looking at. Glory to God. So get ready. I'm going to give you some scriptures. We're going to read through them, but I want you to write them down because you're going to have to go to these scriptures because this this is not automatic. You're going to have to purposefully put this in your eyes and in your ears so that you are giving it your attention. And so that means you're either going to have to go find this section where I'm reading it, or you're going to have to open up your own Bible, and that's my, what I suggest, and you read these out loud to yourself and give them focus. First of all, Job 8, 7 says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. King James says your latter end should greatly increase. We want to see increase. We don't want to see just survival. We are not survivors. The Bible doesn't call you a survivor. It calls you an overcomer. So our latter end shall greatly increase. The uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible says, even if your beginnings were modest, your final days will be full of prosperity. That's Job 8, 7. The second verse I want to give you is Psalm 65, 11 through 13. It says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. 
The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. Now, if you've got pastures covered with flocks and valleys covered with corn, you've got abundance and you've got increase. Amen? Psalm 67, 5 through 7. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. Hmm. Let the people praise you, then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Notice that our praise is an expression of our faith that allows the increase to have its oper- operation in our life. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Daily loads us with benefits. Expect that. Psalm 71, 21. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. The word comfort is a word that means to strengthen or fortify me. You will increase my greatness. Is that what the covenant said in Genesis chapter 12? I will make your name great. Zechariah 10, 8. I will whistle for them, and I'm in New King James. The King James uses the word hiss, and that kind of sounds weird to us today. I will whistle for them and gather them. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. Psalm 105, 24, he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Hallelujah. Psalm 92, 12, the righteous, 12 through 15, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So I want you to see yourself flourishing and growing. Flourishing and bearing fruit. Psalm 85, 12, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to begin to make increase your goal, that you see the increase of God in your life. We are not under the control of, of whatever is taking place around us. We are under the control of the word. The word is what determines what happens in my life if I will connect myself to the word and give it its place of governing. And this is how I do it. I put it in my mouth so that I can put it in my heart. And then when it gets in a fullness in my heart, I'll bring it back out of my mouth. So there's going to be a time where I am speaking and speaking and speaking just for the purpose of depositing, depositing, depositing until I have an image. I'm trying to take these scriptures and transmit an image, an image that will 
if, if you, I gave you an image of what my, my puppy looks like. If somebody walked in and says, Woo, have you seen Pastor Michelle's puppy? It's a Doberman Pinscher. You're like, no, 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 I already have an image. She herself described her dog to me. So I have a clear image. If I, if I needed to pick out her dog out of a group of dogs, a pack of dogs, I could because she has transmitted the image of the dog to me. So other reports can come trying to tell you about what's going to happen, but you've already downloaded the image that God transmitted from his word of how it's going to be for you. And that image will protect you from just allowing something. No, 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 no. No, that's not what's going to happen to me. Well, I've already got my, don't change my image. I'm not going under. I'm always going over. I'm not in trouble. I'm the head and not the tail. I don't have financial difficulty. I'm thriving in a time of famine. Hallelujah. Why? Because I have transmitted the image. This is a necessary element of getting the image. You can't, there's no drive-through fix for it. There's no microwave fix for it. You've got to take the effort of putting it in your ears, in your eyes, putting it in your mouth so that you can get it into your heart. Because if it gets in your heart, it will direct you. He said the wisdom, Proverbs talks about the wisdom of God. It says, when I wake up, it'll speak to me. As I walk down the road, it'll lead me. If I've already got the wisdom in me, the wisdom can lead me. The wisdom can direct me. It can show things to me. But if I am allowing the image of dread to be transmitted into my spirit, then God has to step back and let it. Even though it's not what he wants for us. He would have to permit it because you permitted it. But you, you aren't going to permit it. You are going to set that expectation on supply and increase. Supply conscious. We are increase conscious. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. We give you glory and praise, and we recognize that you are bringing to us an area that we need to shore up. And so, Father, we take responsibility for what we're listening to and what we're allowing into our, to be transmitted into our spirit. And we determine, Father, that we will expect what you expect for us. We will only allow the image transmitted into our spirit that comes from your word, and we will not allow the enemy to transmit fear or dread or sadness or despondency or hopelessness into our hearts. Would you just commit to that right now? Say, Father, I will not permit the wrong image to be transmitted into my heart. I ask you, speak to me. If I need to turn something off, I will respond to your prompting. I want my heart to be full 
of your word so that I walk in your way for me. In Jesus' name, praise God. Well, I believe that was worth you combing your hair and coming to church today. Stand with me to your feet.